Hey guys, what is going on? We are in the zone. I'm here as always with Giancarlo Alino. And today it's basically just straight hockey talk. It's uh, So today's a big day. As you guys all know out there, it's free agent frenzy. And uh, unfortunately, last week, we got to thank Rogers because we were going to do a, you know the draft review, recap, whatever. But the internet went down. So we ended up not doing a pod last week. So this one's going to be just a complete hockey extravaganza. We're going to start it off with the draft. Alino. Before I get into the top five picks, I quickly got to ask you, we all know what the big surprise was on draft night, but did you expect him to drop to four? Because when he was available, I think it was at three, I was like, there was no way that Arizona's passing him up. And they did because, you know, it's Arizona. But what were your thoughts on Shane Wright dropping to four? Oh, yeah, I thought that was crazy because they were hyping it up like so much. Like, oh, Shane Wright's going first overall. It was almost like a given and... I don't know, there was something closer to when the draft was about to start where it looked like the panel kind of knew something was off there, that they had an idea that Montreal was going in another direction because then all of a sudden the whole promotion of Shane Wright going to Montreal turned into like, oh, could they go off the board and get this uh, Skolkovsky uh, guy? And they were all talking about him, praising him, all these comparisons they're bringing up that sounded crazy at the time. And then all of a sudden Montreal gets him, so... I think uh, Shane Wright going to four Seattle that they hit the jackpot there regardless because they got a high end first round pick who had a lot of hype. It's only going to help them in their market. So both teams, I thought, got what they wanted. It's just now Arizona is going to look back and say, maybe if Seattle ends up benefiting from this, do we make a wrong uh, choice there with our third overall pick? I mean, to me, I want to quickly talk about, I think it was his bravado, Shane Wright. Now, I remember looking back at the commercial for the draft specifically, and I don't know if you you clued it in or saw it. I remember the commercial vividly panned to Shane Wright, and he said, I, fir- I firmly believe I deserve to be the number one pick. Now, I don't know. To me, again, that could be just a complete hockey statement, just him saying, you know, I think I'm the best player in the draft, whatever. But I feel like it came off a little cocky. Now, I don't know if his interviews just he completely just tanked them and he was just coming off as like an arrogant, cocky type of guy. But that's kind of what I got from it because the whole narrative going into the draft was Shane Wright is edging Slavkovsky as the number one pick. But Slavkovsky's, you know, his he's just been skyrocketing in the draft. He went from potentially like like seventh overall to battling for first and as soon as like you mentioned with the panel they started talking more and more and more about Slavkovsky and it's like okay like you're talking a little too much about this guy if he's not going first overall and you know truth be told he does end up going first overall so I guess I'll start with you this is the first Slovakian to ever go first overall I saw some comparables like you mentioned Yarmir Yager was a guy (laughs) oh man I mean, like, dude, I, I honestly had to walk away for a second because I couldn't believe it. I I think this is a boomer bust type of guy. I Now, don't get me wrong. I love I love the Slavkovsky pick overall. It's a high risk, high reward, like what Pedersen was in 2017 for uh, Vancouver. But what are your thoughts on Slavkovsky overall as a player and as that initial fit in Montreal? Because it's looking iffy, man. It's looking risky. 
Yeah, when Slokowski got, like, when there was talk about him maybe moving up, I thought Arizona, perfect fit. They can use a bigger winger, uh, someone in there that can score, and Bill buy some time for the next three years, and when they're in that college arena and uh, that new stadium, or new arenas being built there in Arizona, so I thought it would have bought time, maybe get some interest in the local area, but they end up, he ends up going to Montreal. Like, I was kind of confused there when they said Yammer Yager. Like, that's a little far there uh to compare him to him uh i think he could do well though in montreal i think he's a perfect fit for the wing they always lack that kind of size in their lineup uh patcheretti kind of brought that when he was there but you're starting fresh now with a young teenager coming in there and him taking off his jacket and just handing it to gary bettman like he was a valet outside the ring in wwe that was a little solid good for him uh just threw the jacket in his face like hold this jacket i'm about to go take a pick that was a legendary move by him i i absolutely loved when he went up there and you could just see he was all smiles and when he was talking to caroline cameron you could just tell that that was the type of guy in this draft that just killed all his interviews like he opened the door cracked open a beer had a smile on his face was like okay who's interviewing me i want to get this shit going whereas a guy like shane Wright, it's kind of like you know, you need, like, you guys are lucky to be interviewing me. Like, he, I think that's his type of attitude, where Slavkovsky is just like, I'm happy to be here, whatever. Like, let's shoot the shit for a while. But, you know, I really got to give credit to Kent Hughes in this draft. He really changed the foundation for Montreal. We did see later on, I think it was maybe, like, pick six, seven, we saw the, the Montreal Canadiens make another big announcement, a big trade. Romanov got traded for basically Kirby Doc. I want your thoughts on that trade because, you know, when you make a move like that, looking back at the top three in this draft and you look at what they did with Slavkovsky, I think that's really what made them not take Shane Wright. I think they really do have high hopes for Kirby Doc moving forward in the Montreal uniform. Yeah, I agree. I think even like Kirby Doc coming in there, you would think that they would get a lot more for him. They didn't even really... I don't think they offered him to enough teams to really get a feel for his trade value in the market there because I think they kind of settled for what Montreal was offering, and I think they could have got way more for him, and it only puts Chicago's rebuild in a different, like longer-term direction. So Montreal, what they were able to do, their GM, like you mentioned, did a hell of a job scouting and just looking at players that were available, and he took advantage of a situation there. Now he has Doc and Slikovsky coming in for next year. Yeah, man. Like the fact that you have both of those guys, how big they are. Because last year, the one thing that Montreal was lacking was that size. We saw two years ago when they faced um, Toronto in the playoffs and they were successful. It was because of the guys like the Joel Armia, the Josh Anderson, the Corey Perry. Whereas last year, you know, obviously they they came dead last. Um, Price was out all year. Shea Weber was out majority of the year, but. You know, in order to be successful, especially come playoff time, you need that size. So the fact that they went out, they got, a, I guess, a disgruntled prospect in, in Kirby Doc for relatively a pretty low price. I think for their sake, they just hope that Romanov doesn't turn out to be Sergachev because if they do, yeah. then again, that's another disaster. But I really like the Slavkovsky pick. I think he could be, uh, he can maybe get you 45 points this upcoming season. I wouldn't rush him on the top line immediately. I think that's going to be Caulfield, um, probably Caulfield, Suzuki, and maybe Jake Evans or Pizzetta maybe for this year. But I'm, I mean, like, I think Slavkovsky could be a great fit on the second line with Drew and 
Um, I think, you know, you start with a, a nifty playmaker like Drew Ann, get Slavkovsky going, get him that confidence. I think he could be a great super, a great, not maybe not a superstar, but a great player in no time. But got to go to the second pick. This is my team, the, uh, the New Jersey Devils. See, now, I was a little upset they didn't take Shane Wright, but then you look at who they have. They have Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer down the middle. Very promising two centers for the future. Do you think with Logan Cooley on the board there, a guy that is very elusive, very skilled, he can play the wing, do you think they should have gone with Logan Cooley here? Or do you think it was they got it right here with a guy like Simon Nemec, who has the potential, apparently, to be a Victor Hemman type of defenseman? Yeah, I think they got it right. I think if a lot of teams sometimes make the mistake of getting the same position, like they'll go load up on center prospects and then they find themselves in a situation where there are a lot of other skilled players and whether it be a winger or a left shot defenseman that they can use on the power play and they regret it later. Like, uh, I don't know if it would if Shane Wright would have been a good fit there just because I think they have hopes there that they can sign Johnny Goudreau and if you can bring Goudreau in and draft another young winger, that speeds things up and you can have a good team compete right away. So I think that's why they kind of uh, pass on Shane Wright. If they saw that Goudreau maybe was going to re-sign with Calgary, maybe they would have went after Shane Wright more and put him in the system. Yeah, man, I I, I agree with you 100%. I think this goes back to the how close the draft and the free agent period was this year. I think... You know they had their sets, their they had their sights set on you know Pasternak, Tarasenko, Goudreau, that type of scoring winger that brings in immediate help. So I do agree with you. I think you know as great offensively as Logan Cooley and Shane Wright can be, I just don't know if the fit would be pretty good at least for the first three years. So I like how they got Simon Nemec, who to me is easily the best defenseman in this draft. Um, a lot of people were saying this is this reminds them of that Adam Larson pick in 2011 i don't want to bash nemich that much i think he can he we've seen flashes especially in the slovak league that he could be a great power play guy as well and you know you look at new jersey man they have dougie hamilton who is i think he's already 30 years old you know they have ty smith for the future and they have of course diversin and kevin ball so i think you know simon nemich i don't know if he's going to play immediately but i don't think the devils really need him to but regardless, I think it's an exciting pick for the Devils. But then we got to go to Arizona. They took Logan Cooley at number three, which to me was a very big surprise because, you know, they, to me, Logan Cooley is very similar to Clayton Keller. I think he's, you know, he's a very skilled player, a little bit more undersized. He has to beef up a little bit. They had the guy there, man, in Shane Wright, who is arguably pro-ready with his body, could probably slot in as as early as the first-line center immediately. So, do you think Arizona really messed it up here taking Cooley over right? Or do you think they're trying to get that, you know, that excitement back into Arizona with the skilled players? Yeah, I think you nailed it there with the skilled players. I think Cooley, he has potential. So I think they're going to put him in just to see if he's ready for next season. If he's not, they can buy some time with Wright. They would have to put him in right away because he is NHL ready. But Cooley... If he can be that skilled guy, they got to put butts in seats over there in Arizona. They draw fucking <laughs> flies in the arena. So if you can get Cooley come in and he can put on a show, put some dangles on, score a lot of points, and I think he kind of meshes a little bit better with their style of play, what they want to do in the future, because they got a lot of skilled guys that they drafted. I think Arizona is hoping that they found a gem here at number three. 
Yeah, I I like that too because they do have Nick Schmaltz as well, and we saw when he was on Chicago what he could do, like like very like in flashes. But then he goes to Arizona before the injury. Him and Keller were were lighting it up. So if they can get that chemistry back, and you could add Logan Cooley, and we a lot of people forget, man, Barrett Hayden still a guy that I think can can be fairly good and could contribute to Arizona. You know, I think, you know, even though they only have about 5,000 seats, I think, I think, you know, they got to try and sell out as much as they can. But then of course we go to Seattle, Shane at number four, you know, people are obviously going to say that, Oh, you know, the draft was rigged. Seattle gets Shane, right? It's bullshit. Shouldn't have happened. What are your initial thoughts, man, with Shane, Wright Going to Seattle and, what do you think about a, a potential franchise duo in Matty Beneers and uh, Shane Wright moving forward? Yeah, I think this was a perfect situation because we saw last year what Seattle was doing. Like they kind of exp- their expansion draft was different than what Vegas did. Vegas went right away. They want to compete. That's where they got guys like William Carlson and uh, Flurry. Uh, Seattle took a different approach. They took maybe players that uh, weren't really going to change a game for them and make them a contender. And then they tr- took on free agents that can help them and then just developing those guys. So I think uh, with Seattle getting right, it just fits perfectly. Uh, they're a market that's new. You can build in uh, players uh, still on the cusp there of developing and he can develop with that market. So I think he's going to be identified with Seattle hockey for the next decade. Now, dude, I know it's crazy to think, and I've heard so many different comparables. I've heard he can be like a Bergeron. I've heard he could be like a Barkov. Um, what do you What do you see Shane Wright really being, man, in the NHL? I think he could be a mixture of those guys. Like, I don't think he's going to be a skilled guy where you're going to look at him every night. He's going to be the guy that gets 95 to like 110 points. I think he's going to be in between of what Barkov and Bergeron uh, did when they started off. It was just a little bit of a slow start, but he's going to be a reliable two-way guy that can come in right away and maybe help turn things around. I don't think there'll be a playoff team. I think they'll be just under it. They'll be like fighting for a wild card all year. And then probably next year, the year after, I think they will be uh, a team you can slot in for the playoffs year after year. I like that, man, because I even heard a John Tavares comparison. And now, you know, you think back to the Islander days, like when he was very young and you know he was up to speed and wasn't the slowest guy on the team i think you know that could be a pretty accurate comparable if shane wright could you know keep his speed up i think he can be a franchise type of guy like a john Tavares. but i think that's best case scenario like you mentioned perfectly i don't see him getting 95 to 100 points he's that guy that's going to bring the intangibles he'll get you 75 points he'll get you that big hit in the third period but uh, I, I do agree. I think Seattle just absolutely killed it with this pick. And then, of course, we're going to talk. I, I have two more things to talk about, just uh, the trade with the Leafs. And then, of course, the fifth pick with Cutter Gauthier. You know, he's from there. Uh, he was linked to Philly for the longest time at the U.S. National Development Team. He's a big center. The only problem is, Alino, he's not going to be ready. He's actually, I think he's committed to college. But uh, what do you think Cutter Gauthier could bring? Because to me, he kind of... I kind of compare him to a Sean Couturier. Yeah, I think it's going to be a long-term uh, development with him. I think they're probably going to look at him to go to college and be there not just for one year, but maybe finish out college and be a seasoned player when he's done. Like A lot of guys that have come out of that college system, they're 
sometimes they don't re-sign with the team. I think he will re-sign. So I think they're not worried about that. But I think after like three years, he'll be able to just come in right into the league. Kind of like guys like uh, Schultz did when he left and uh, be a difference maker at times. So I think this is a long-term thing. But when he eventually gets to the league, I think he'll be a mainstay on an NHL roster. I like it, man. I like it a lot. Um, now we got to quickly go. I want to just talk about two trades and we'll go into free agency. Um, the first one that I want to talk about, it's not good for us because we're Leaf fans, but you know, the Ottawa Senators somehow, I don't know how, but they somehow managed to trade their seventh pick and they get Alex Debrinkit. What were your thoughts on this one? And what do you think Ottawa is going to look like next year? I want to know what their GM has on Chicago's GM. Like they must have pictures <laughs> or something. The seventh overall pick, and you get a guy who's going to be a forty goal scorer in Ottawa. And now, like all the moves they made, I think that's a haul for them. Right as soon as they said, "Okay, we'll do it," I think he just hung up the phone, got the paperwork ready, got his signature, and went away with it. Because, like Chicago, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. That is a trade. Like the Brinkett is even old. He's part of their group there that you would think they'll rebuild with. So if you're going to trade someone like that, you should be able to get way more than just a seventh pick. That should have been the starter. And maybe you go down and say, okay, we want a high-end prospect or two in return for that. Uh, dude, I agree. When I saw it was only the seventh pick, I was like, all right. I mean, Ottawa is back to potentially being a playoff team. And we're even going to add with the free agency. So, I mean, like – Chicago, I think, is purposely tanking this year. I even heard rumblings they want to trade Seth Jones. So I have no idea. But I, I do agree with you. They traded Brandon Hagel, who's like 25. And then I would trade to Brinkett, who's 25. And both of those guys were putting up 40 points or more. And so like the fact that they draft Kevin Korchinski, who is a guy, he did lead the WHL in points for D. But this is kind of more like an unknown a lot of people were kind of comparing this pick to Derek Pouliot. So like if you if you if you're trading Alex Debrinkit for a Derek Pouliot type of defenseman, I I don't really have words, but you know, kudos to Ottawa. They've been in they've been down in the dumps for a while. This is a, a, a franchise changing move, and you know, you gotta give Dorian credit, man. Like he just absolutely fleeced them with that one. But then we got to go into the Leafs because it's not a draft without the Leafs trading their pick. You go to the 25th. We had a couple names that I wanted, man. They had Yuri Kulich. They had Brad Lambert. And they even had Philip Mazar, who I thought the Leafs maybe were going to take. But nope. You know, you see, this is, I'll even show it. This is what you see Dubas do this. And he's, <laughs> and he's blocking his mouth. And it's like, okay, he's either trading Kerfoot or he's trading the pick. And what happens? He trades the 25th pick and Peter Morazic for what the 39th pick what were your yeah. thoughts on that it was basically cap dump we all know why now but what did you think at the time of the trade because man honestly i kind of wanted one of those players oh that was phenomenal just take everyone taking advantage of chicago's gm just lacking <laughs> trade value is amazing i know everyone would have wanted that pick but you move down 14 spots and get rid of Mirazik, who they thought would be a little bit above Campbell and he would take that number one spot and it blew up in their face. So the fact that you can trade him and get a draft pick in return that's not in the seventh round, I, I want to know what Chicago's GM, scouts, and everyone were doing that weekend in Montreal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I really I, I want to know too because 
I mean, like, dude, we even got Fraser Minton, who was supposed to be a first round pick, and he went 38. So, and he's a good centerman, honestly, man. He to me, I think he's probably now our second best prospect behind uh, Matthew Nice. But I, I I absolutely love the trade. The fact that you're giving up 3.8 million dollars, you're freeing that up to go down 14 picks. That's that's just an absolute win and. Like I mentioned, man, I think Chicago's purposely tanking. I don't think they're really trying to amount to anything going into this year. But now we got to go into free agency, dude. It's been a hectic day today, a lot of signings. I'm going to start it off with our former Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender, Jack Campbell, going to the Edmonton Oilers five years at $5 million. Now I know what happened. I guess I'll talk after about Matt Murray going to the Leafs. What are your thoughts on this signing for Edmonton? I personally think five years for a goalie that's 30. It's a little risky, but I do think they see a window. They see a bright light, and I think Campbell could be a part of it. So what do you think about Campbell going to Edmonton, man? Yeah, Campbell is one of those guys that really took off the past 25. Like I remember even in the earlier times when he got drafted, there was a lot of hype around him. He was going to be maybe developing into a number one goalie, an elite level goalie. It didn't really happen right away in LA. He was at least surrounded with uh, good veterans. He had Jonathan Quick, Martin Jones in that system, and they ended up keeping Campbell instead of Jones. And him and Quick, like if you're going to learn from someone, a multiple time Stanley Cup champ, you got Kopitar there. He's surrounded, I think, with the right guys and coaching staff that helped him develop and comes to the Leafs. He's only making like a little over a million and turns that around and becomes a starter. Uh, amazing numbers. I'm with you on that, giving the five-year deal. But I think Edmonton's just desperate. They had to rely on Mike Smith, who's 40, and just too much <laughs> uncertainty. Koskinen, like, I think they finally found a situation. They're going to pay that $5 million for Campbell, bring him in, and hopefully that can turn things around so they have a goalie they can rely on all year. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, I said to you before the pod, I don't know if I would have given him five years, but I mean, the five million is not too bad. I, I thought, I mean, honestly, dude, if he didn't go on a really bad stretch, he probably could have asked for six, six and a half. But, you know, we saw after the all-star break, he just wasn't the same type of goalie. And, you know, kudos to him. He played fantastic in the playoffs. He went up against Vasilevsky and even... You know, uh, like you mentioned, we had him for what one point five million. That's one of the best bargain deals in the whole season. So, the fact that the guy's getting paid now, he was due to get paid. I'm really happy for Jack Campbell. I think Edmonton, like I said, I think they see a window of opportunity. They also re-signed Evander Kane. I think this this Edmonton team, man, honestly, they were in the Western Conference Finals. I could see them going back there again next year, but. Um, now I got to move on. I want to quickly talk about the Matt Murray trade. Um, mixed feelings. You know, we trade, uh, we don't really trade anything for it. We get Matt Murray at 25% retained. So that's 4.67 million. And then we got, I think, two thirds, if I'm, if I'm correct. What are your thoughts on it, Alino? Man, if this was 2016, throw the party, throw the parade. <laughs> this is unbelievable, but that's five years, six years going to be uh, six seasons later since that. And he had a bad year. This final year in Pittsburgh goes to Ottawa was expected to be that guy that turns around part of that rebuild. And he falls out of favor there with their coaching staff. And 
I know he wants to be a Leaf and all that. He loves the team, but I don't know. Just past seasons, he hasn't really lived up to it. And I don't think they would have made the other move uh, that we'll probably talk about later if they were extremely confident in Matt Murray being healthy for a full 82-game season. Yeah, and, you know, he's barely played the last two years, too. That's the For me, that's the concerning thing. It screams, I don't want to say Peter Mrazek because just the way he played last year was just worst-case scenario, but this is a goalie that's injury-prone. He hasn't relatively been himself the last three, four years, and the fact that, you know, the, the, the Senators, they offered him $6.25 million for six years when they got him, and at the time, I remember, I, I think I even said on our pod, that could be a very, very good signing if he is his old self. And obviously we saw that he was injury prone. He couldn't stay healthy. And now the Leafs are in that situation. He wanted to come here. He, he waived his no move clause to come here. He's from here. Uh, the unfortunate thing, you know, the very emotional story is, you know, his dad was a Leaf fan and, you know, unfortunately his dad's not around anymore. So the, maybe there's that motivating factor as well. So maybe, you know, the, obviously there's the Sioux connection, but I do think Dubas maybe sees something that we don't. Um, it's obviously it's a big, big risk, but you know, you never know. We've, we've seen stranger things happen before. So I think as long as Matt Murray can get you 55 games, maybe get you 27, 28 wins, it's not too bad, but, and as well, he does have the playoff experience, but now I want to quickly go on to talk more signings today. We got Vinny Trocheck with the Rangers seven years at $5.625 million. Unfortunately, they could not re-sign Ryan Strom, and it looks like they are out of the Nazim Kadri sweepstakes. Now, he's 29 years old, and you give this guy seven years. That's a little risky. Uh, I don't know if it's overpaid for now, because we did see him get 70 points a couple years ago, but the term to me is not good at all. Yeah, I didn't have Trocheck as a guy that you would think would be the max out deal. Like I thought <laughs> the money's fine if you're going to do like a 3 year, even 4 I would've been happy with. Like that's a good player that fits in clearly with that team, but 7 years for Trocheck, like the way he plays too, that's a huge risk. So I think he's a guy I would look at 5 years from now as like are we going to buy him out type of thing if I'm the Rangers. They're hoping maybe the cap goes up a lot more, but I like the term for uh, like three to four at five and just the salary they paid is fine. It's just later on, that's going to be a deal that might bite them. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Like this is a, like, I get it. You know, they're, I guess they're kind of desperate here. They, they, you know, they, they lost Strom and Andrew Kopp. And I mean, I, I understand that sometimes when you're a GM and you lose two potential top six centers, you have to panic. But I just think that, this might bite them in the ass in, in as long as, as soon as three years. Like this is a guy where like it's kind of similar to Campbell, man. When he or like Murray, when he's healthy and when he's on his game, he can get you 70 points. But we've seen the injury history. We've seen him going on really bad cold streaks. I don't know if he's worth 5.6, honestly. And the fact now that you have guys like Lafreniere, Chidal, Kako all going to be RFAs, man, in the next couple of years. This might be the contract that makes one of those guys walk. So, I mean, I guess for now it's fine, as long as they believe they can go to the Eastern Conference Finals with Shesterkin. 
But this one is a tough one to swallow if I'm a Rangers fan long term. But now we got a very similar deal. We had Andrew Kopp go to the Red Wings five years at the same AAV, 5.625. We saw what he did in Winnipeg. You know, he was pretty good. He was, I think he surpassed Lowry for the second line spot at, at a point, and even Paul Stastny. He was getting his feet wet. Then he goes to the Rangers, and you see this offensive production that we've never seen before. He's a big guy, he's six foot five. He has that offensive ability, but here's the thing, Alino. Did the Red Wings overpay for a guy in Andrew Kopp here? Because I still think their top six is a little bit dicey. Don't really know what they can do. Yeah, I agree with you. It's one of those deals where I think they're trying to further along the rebuild. Like Iserman, to me, is like Masai Ujiri uh, when you look at GMs and what they're able to do and everything works out, all the (laughs) trades work out and so I won't go against it too much. I just think uh, necessity right now, they needed a guy like him to be a good role model for that young group that they have. So I think it won't be too crazy like the Trocheck one because of New York's expectations right now. So I think Iserman will get a pass for now on uh, this kind of signing. Yeah, as well. People forget that Bertuzzi's probably leaving too. So I guess Cop is more of a sandpaper type of guy as well. He'll bring that grit. He'll defend guys like Zadina and uh, and Fabry and you know Vrana, those type of guys. So I like what you said there with with Iserman. I think I agree with you 100%. He's had a lot of signings in the past where it's like, how the hell do you call that? Um, but I, I do like the cop signing. I don't like the AAV, but I do think if everything pans out, he can be a really, really good power forward. Uh, up next we have is, damn it, Claude Giroux. 6.5 mil for three years, Florida to Ottawa. And Ottawa, I mean, Florida only offered him $1 because that's all they could afford. Do you think, and I know he's an Ottawa native, do you think the Ottawa Senators overpaid here? Because I absolutely think they did. He's 34 turning 35. 6.5 mil, man. Uh, I, I really don't, unless he's on the top line with, with Kachuk and uh, who was it, Norris, maybe uh, it's worth it. But again, like I mentioned, Tim Stutzel is going to be a free agent. This is going to be a tough one, man, looking back on it. Yeah, if he's not even playing with the Brinkett, I think it's going to be a bad signing. I know he's from Ottawa and everything, and he's going to be obviously motivated to bring them success, but I would have liked to see him maybe test the market a little bit more. I know they're offering all this money, but at the end of the day, I think he wants a Stanley Cup. And right now, Ottawa, they could be a team that makes the playoffs and just gets in. But at the, if they're not making the other moves that obviously Matt Murray opened up where they're retaining some money, they're going to have uh, less cap space to go to guys like Stutzel. And they're going to put themselves in a bad situation with their contracts. So I think for both, it might be a tough deal after the second year. Yeah, I agree. Um Got to move on now. Go with, uh, you know what, dude? Honestly, if you look back at this deal, doesn't it kind of remind you of Patrick Marlowe's? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. About three year and after two, they're already, it's bio time. There you go. Six Exactly. <laughs> and watch, after his uh, his contract's up, he's going to be like an assistant coach with the, with the Senators, like immediately. <laughs> it's like what Manny Malhotra was. But uh, now we got to go to your boy, Darcy Kemper. Gets paid, you know, 
me and you thought he was 29. He's 32 yeah. years old. <laughs> so 32 year old goalie getting five years for from uh, going to Washington at 5.25. To me, man, I know you love Kemper. I know what you do. To me, this screams risky. I don't know if Washington's a contender. I don't know if he was just in it for the money. He got his cup. But this one, I don't know about this one, man. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I know goalies are different in terms like they can play well into their 40s. Like 42 is like the end. So if you're 32, you got a lot of time left. But the five years at that kind of salary with a team that is a veteran team, I think they could have went down. Uh, maybe you would have to pay more, but a three-year deal I think would have been perfect with the group they have with Backstrom, OV, Mantha. Uh, all these guys there that have won before, and now you had a Stanley Cup winner in Kemper. I think they just did it because they're looking back. I think they wanted Lundqvist to be that guy, and like unfortunately, he had that situation where he couldn't play. And then Samsonov, they kind of touted to be it, and he wasn't. They were splitting time with Vanacek. So I think this is uh, Washington's way of saying we need a number one goalie. And I don't know, Kemper isn't a bad one. Like He was a top four there was only Vasilevsky, Shosturkin, uh, that were doing better than them during the year. So, uh, and Markstrom. So, I think they got a perfect fit. It's just the term is gonna come back and haunt them. Maybe after that third season. I honestly, man, like the more I think about it, I think this deal would make sense if we hear Nazem Kadri go there by the end of the day. If Kadri ends up going to Washington, then maybe it makes a little more sense with the with the term, but. Uh, like five years, I know he was amazing this year, but like, again, how much better can he get? That's my, that's my thing. You know, you see him put up 40 wins, put up a nine, I think it was like a nine seventeen save with the decor in Washington and how old um, they're not super old, but you know, they're getting older, aging every single year. John Carlson in two years is probably not going to be the same defenseman that he is right now. So I think Kemper, I think this is more of a bet on himself here. He wanted to get paid, but I think the situation for him, man, after year two, it's going to be very, very hard. This is not going to be, at least for individual stats in his career, this is not going to be an easy go around for him. But I do like how he bet on himself here. He got the cup. He deserves to get paid, and he did. So another Colorado avalanche that ended up leaving, Andre Burakovsky going to Seattle for five years at – 5.5 5.5 per year. I mean, the guy was a borderline top six player. He didn't work out in Washington. He ended up getting traded, goes to Colorado, finds his footing. Now he's going to an expansion team. What do you expect for Burakovsky? Do you see him putting up top line minutes with Everly, or do you still see him as a, maybe a top nine type of guy? Yeah, I don't blame him for taking that crazy amount of money. Uh, that was... <laughs> A huge surprise. Like, I know he went and played well in Colorado, but that's a lot to commit to if you're Seattle. So, Burakovsky, I think for him, it makes sense. You have to go for that kind of offer. I don't think a lot of teams would have offered that, but I would have loved to see him just maybe take another risk on himself and sign a one-year deal with Edmonton. And uh, if they're going to reunite that whole Erie Otter connection with Connor Brown, you could have had Brown, Burakovsky, and Connor McDavid back together. That would have been solid to see for one year in Edmonton. Yeah, dude, I love that. I, I was, I didn't even hear about him, you know, being linked to Edmonton. But 
you know, if they don't sign Pugliarvi and maybe Yamamoto walks or one of them walks, I think Burakovsky would have been like, like you mentioned, a bet on yourself. Like, look what happened with Evander Kane. You bet on yourself and then he gets that, what was it, four-year contract. I think Burakovsky should have done that. But again, maybe he sees success in Seattle. Uh, I don't know. But uh, Shane Wright's turning things around over he's, there. Yeah, I was just going to say, he's, he's turning things around already. Uh, maybe, maybe Burakovsky plays with them. Uh, who knows? But um, now I want to go to Ilya Samsonov. Uh, we get him at 1.8 million. This is a guy that where first round pick 2015, very highly touted, like I mentioned. Vanacek, I guess it was more unfortunate for Samsonov because he came out of nowhere and we saw what happened two years ago where he actually got more starts than Samsonov. What do you expect from Samsonov? Do you see him maybe splitting time? Do you see them doing more of like a campbell Morazic situation where they have Murray play a smidge more? Because honestly, man, I would not be surprised halfway through the year, Samsonov finds his confidence, finds his footing. We might see a Campbell like steal here. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I think they wouldn't have made this kind of deal. And I'm even surprised he went for 1.8 mil. I thought maybe he could have got 2 million. Like he played a lot of, uh, or didn't play a lot, but he got a lot of starts early on in the season before Vanacek really got the confidence and took that spot. But Samson, I think, is still good enough. He's still young. Uh, he could develop more. He played well at times and now he's coming into an offensive minded team again with like the Leafs so it's similar situation I I agree with you with Murray I think eventually he might get injured and lose his spot I think Samsonov is going to take it towards the end of the year and they're going to be in a similar situation where do you have to trade Matt Murray or are you just going to risk losing Samsonov for nothing so trade deadline I think we'll find out whether Samsonov's the number one or out the door yeah, it's one of those, yeah, like you you got to risk it, right, to get the biscuit, risk it to get a cup, uh, a series win, whatever the hell we have to do. But I do like how we only got him for 1.8, I think, especially on the open market. This is a guy that, again, like you mentioned, he's had experience relatively really young in his career. Not a lot of goalies can say that. It took Soros like five years to start. So, I mean, Samsonov had a really good situation and unfortunately it crumbled before him with another goalie coming up. It's kind of like what ha- they're both in very similar situations, aren't they? Matt Murray got ran at, got ran out of town in Pittsburgh by Jari and Samsonov got ran out of town by Vanacek. Both of them have very similar narratives. I just want to see how motivated both of them are going to be going into this year because dude, this might be the biggest risk I've seen in terms of goalie tandem in Toronto Maple Leafs history in the last at least 15 years. Because, I mean, we knew how Reimer and Bernier, how they were for the most part. They were fairly good. Uh, they didn't have a lot of upside. But, dude, Murray and Samsonov, that's that's got a lot of upside. But at the same time, it can just be all for nothing. So I like it for the Leafs. Very risky. But we got to keep this trend going. Mikheyev, going to Vancouver. Four years at four point seven five million. I was expecting about three point seven. I didn't think he'd get close to five mil. What are your thoughts on this? I think this basically confirms that Connor Garland is probably leaving. I don't know about JT Miller because a lot of teams apparently don't have the return that Vancouver is looking for. But what do you think about Mickey? Yeah, man, going to going to Vancouver. Yeah, I think that's crazy. Four years and at that kind of number, it's like it's probably like another situation where they're expecting the cap to go up a lot. 
where it won't really affect them. But I think they should have waited to go after Kadri to go into that group. And just if you miss out on him, then look at what's available still. Because there's still a lot of guys out there that could really help their lineup and fit their style of play. But I think they kind of panicked and they looked at Mikheyev as this guy that's going to come in and uh, turn everything around. Like With the Leafs, he had moments, but he wasn't always on and kind of fell out of favor, it looked like, at the end, where he was like battling for a depth spot in the lineup. So I hope Vancouver know that <laughs> this might end up being bad <laughs> after the first year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Like This is a guy where... You know, you see him in in spurts. He's one of the fastest skaters on the ice. He got 20 goals this year, but at the same time, he's not worth five mil. He's not worth close to that. And the fact that you're going to get a guy in Ilya Mikheyev, who to me is going to be – he's a great third-line player. I don't think he's a top-six forward in this league. He does have a lot of great qualities. Don't get me wrong. His speed is fantastic, his forechecking ability. But, you know, you look at the skill level – his IQ is not the greatest. So, I mean, you're getting the guy at four years here. And the situation that they're in, I guess their window is closing in terms of rebuilding. I think Vancouver is a team where they're on the rise in the Western Conference. I'll say maybe they replace Dallas or Nashville going into the playoffs next year. But I don't think McKayev's the answer, man, especially at that price. But again, we will see. Because, dude, look what happened with Hyman in, uh, in Edmonton. I didn't think... You know, he got, what, 6.25 mil? I, I thought that was a bit of an overpay, but it's looking pretty good right now. He's uh, he's performing pretty well. So if Mekayev's on that top line with Pedersen and uh, maybe Miller or Besser, who knows, man? Maybe he gets 70 points. We don't know. But for now, I'll still say it's overpaid. But now I want to quickly go on. I'll just name a couple more before we go off the air. Uh, David Perron is a guy that I've liked for the last couple of years. He's averaging... He's averaged about 70 points per season, man, the last three years. Detroit gets him here at 4.75 mil for two years. I know he's 34 years old, but he's a type of guy, dude, that's been aging like fine wine. He's been getting better every year, just like them getting cop. What do you expect with Perron? Do you see him being on the top line with a, with a Fabry or maybe a Dylan Larkin? Because, dude, I love that. I love Perron and Larkin. That could be a great link up right there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's another uh, solid Iserman move. He brings in a guy like Perron, a veteran cup winner. Uh, he goes now, I think with Fabry, that's a perfect fit right there. Uh, build some chemistry. And with uh, Perron too, like you have to know, probably at the end of the contract, he'll be back in St. Louis. Uh, he always finds a way back there. <laughs> he always does, yeah. <laughs> Even if he gets moved, uh, signed somewhere else, I think eventually St. Louis is where he'll be back, probably in the last year of his deal. I couldn't agree more, man. I, I do agree. Every time he goes to Edmonton, Vegas, he's always he's always back in St. Louis, like within two years. Um, uh, right now, there's been no word on Kadri or Tarasenko or any of the big names. Goudreau as well still hasn't been signed that I see here. But um, another big-time Leaf that it, well used to be a Leaf, he had a great year in Florida. Mason Marchman, dude, actually ends up getting quite a hefty you know contract, 4.5 mil for four years. Very similar to Mick Kayab, just 250000 less. What do you think Mason Marchman can bring to Dallas? Because we do know that Ben and Pavelski are getting a little older. They lost Radulov in the offseason. Do you see Marchman being a top six forward on uh, on Dallas? Oh, yeah. I think he's a 
I, if actually Vancouver should have probably went after him too, but like this is a guy, even when he was on the Marlies, he was always producing well and the Leafs just let him go, which was crazy on uh, Florida. He finally develops into that guy. So I think Dallas finally got something here that they can really build with. And he fits in. If you put him on a line there with Ben, uh, hopefully Ben can start getting the go there. And I know he's not going to live up to that $9 million deal, but if he can play to his ability, be that strong power for it, I think it could help everything. So I think Marchman is going to come in and help turn things around over there. Honestly, man, I think this might be a home run. If he uh, if he could just continue to improve his offensive instincts, because we know how great he is as a penalty killer, a four checker. He kind of reminds me, dude, of a more skilled Jay McClement. He's just always in your face in, the, in your own zone. He's always taking the body. He's a big-time type of guy. 25 goals, dude, honestly, is not out of the question. What we saw, he had 18 goals in very limited games. He was, what, like .84 in terms of points per game. Just absolutely incredible year for him. If he can play all year with either a Rupe Hintz or a Tyler Sagan, that could only benefit him. And you got to remember, man, the way that Dallas is kind of going, whereas, you know, the last three years, they're pl- they've been in the playoffs, but they just couldn't, you know, they couldn't get the job done in the cup final. This team is getting old quick. Now they do have Heiskin in. They did lose Klingberg. And, you know, like I mentioned, Jamie Ben is an old 32. Tyler Sagan's 31 now. Like this is this is this could be a reshaping of the Dallas Stars with starting with guys like Robertson and Mason Marchman. So I really like it for the stars, but um, I quickly want to now go on to a couple more names. Um, we have this is a, to me, this is a really under underrated signing. I still think it's a bit of an overpay. I got to talk about Arturi Lekkinen. He re-signed with the Colorado Avalanche at $5.5 million. What are your thoughts on that? Now we know he was cut. We know he was clutching the playoffs, but is he worth that much money? I, I don't know about that one. I think they had to uh, because he was so good in the playoffs. I think their fan base, if they see, okay, we lost Burakovsky, we're going to lose Kemper. Uh, now Kadri, it looks like too. And if he doesn't resign for a crazy amount, I think they, just for their fan base, I think they had to do this because of how clutch he was. So I'm fine with it because uh, he's surrounded by guys like McKinnon, McCarr, uh, Landis Cog. So I think this will work. It won't be too much of a burden, but. I think they needed to make keep someone who played a critical role from that cup run in their lineup. All right, man. I gotta. We're gonna end with uh, two big, mo- well, two moves. Obviously, the first one I want to talk about. This one is the worst signing that I've seen of the day. Gotta just, you know, we're gonna laugh about it. Obviously, you had Eric Goodbranson go to. <laughs> I can't believe, dude. I can't believe I'm saying this. Eric Goodbranson went to the Blue Jackets. Four million dollars per season. What the hell are and he's and for four years? What is Columbus thinking with this move? Man, remember when he was on? I think Florida and he was <laughs> third he overall. Was, man, he was like touted to be like the game changer that was going to take him to the promised land, and it didn't work out. But four years at four million from Columbus of all teams, where. If they're going to spend that money, go out and get like a guy that's going to bring skill and attention to your team. I, I don't think this really fits. I don't like, where's he going to play? Like his style of play, does it mesh well with what they already have? Like, 
I'm lost when I saw that. Dude, Line is an RFA. What are they doing? Like, put that money towards Line. I don't know why you're giving him $16 million. Like, when I saw that, I was like, no, there's no way. I thought it was like just $4 million, like a million yeah. a year. Well, no. Four mil a year. That's good Good for a good Branson's agent, man. He, that guy, give that guy a raise for real. But I want to end it. Obviously, you know, we're 47 minutes in. We could go all day here. Um, next week, we'll talk about the big time names because unfortunately, still haven't been moved. But I want to talk about the big three staying in Tampa Bay. Now, two of them, in my opinion, are huge overpays. We had Mikhail Sergachev get eight years at eight and a half million dollars. And we had Eric Chernak get, I think, eight years at $5.6 million. So I'll start with you, Alino. It doesn't matter which one you talk about first, but how much of an overpay are both of these defensemen getting? Oh, my God. Sergachev, I think, is going to be a great defenseman, but you're paying him more than Victor Hedman. So (laughs) Victor Hedman is going to take that as a slap in the face. He's probably going to say, what the hell are you doing? Uh, Could have used that money to maybe give him less term and go out and get another big free agent to come in and continue this run to the cup final. So I think they're kind of sealing their fate there. They're realizing some of these guys are getting older and they're kind of maybe keep some of these young guys for eight years. So like that, they have a new group there to lead them to the cup, but I don't know, eight years for both of them. I'm not too crazy about that. Like just Sorelli one kind of makes sense. Chernak maybe, turns into that but Sergachev making that kind of money right away when he wasn't even really the top two guy on the team it's a little it's a head scratcher yeah to me that's a I mean don't get me wrong he went 10th overall you know like the potential's there but giving him eight and a half million to me is just like I, I'm speechless man like I probably would have given him at most six and a half seven at most but like eight and a half you said it perfectly. If you're going to get paid more than Victor Hedman, like that to me is just so question. It's so offside. Like that's just a move I saw. I'm like, no, there's no way it's eight and a half. Like there's no way it's that much. It is that much. It reminds me of the Seth Jones contract where like, yeah, you know, he's an attractable name. He's under 26 years old, but like really like that AAV is just so far out of his league. I think, you know, if you gave him six and a half, maybe, like I said, seven million, that's okay. But because, dude, again, you got to look, Darnell Nurse is getting nine million. Like, that's also, that's also terrible. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess they want to keep this core together for the long haul, but I do love the Sorelli one, 6.125. This is a guy that every year, man, he's improved his, his offensive game, and we see how great, how clutch he is. His defensive game is great. He wins a lot of faceoffs too. So he's a Woodbridge boy. I got to give Sorelli some love there. But um, other than that, Alino, are there any other trade, uh, any other signings that really stood out to you today that we haven't discussed yet? Actually, now that you bring up big threes, uh, we got to mention the Pittsburgh uh, trio there, staying put. Uh, Sid the kid did some maneuvering. Latang oh, yeah. was uh, they got that one done. And yeah. I, I don't know. I thought Malkin. It looked like he was gone. Like, I was expecting him. Okay, it's going to be weird up until yesterday seeing him on another team and he's going to take that money, maybe a $9 million for two-year deal somewhere. But all of a sudden, that report comes out here and I'll pull it up and they put out the tweet <laughs> that he signed. So he's uh, 
he's back there. It's a four-year deal, so like I don't know how this is gonna work, but like what are your thoughts when you see the term that Malkin and Latang got? And do you think that Sidney Crosby's gonna be there at the end of their deals there? Uh, I remember Crosby when he did a press conference after this year. He said he he has a good four years left. That's what he said for sure. So, again, you're looking at a potential buyout. I think for sure with Latang, the fact that he's at six years, like that's that's a long time. He's 36, 35, 36 years old now, but he's a guy that's just been so important, man, to to Pittsburgh. And like you mentioned, not a lot of trios stay together their whole careers and. I'm really happy that Malkin found a way to stay because, dude, honestly, I was going to text you last night, like right before you said Malkin resigned. I was going to say, we're going to see Malkin on the beaches. We're going to see him in Florida. I just see it happening. You know, you have a Russian connection with Barkov. I think that could have been great, but I'm really happy that Crosby pulled up his GM socks, knocked on Malkin's door and said, listen, man, I will give you the money personally. I will pay you. <laughs> to stay here in Pittsburgh. So I'm really happy for Malkin that, you know, he ended up staying with Crosby because dude, let's be honest. I don't think he wanted to leave. If like you're with the same team for what, 16 years, your heart is there. And again, he probably would have lost a lot of supporters if he left. So very happy that Malkin resigned. Are they going to be a playoff team? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Carolina got way better. We didn't even mention Brent Burns going there. Uh, Brent Burns ended up getting traded to Carolina and like, I don't know, man, like Pittsburgh, I love them, but how I know Crosby's the goat, but like, can they make the playoffs? It's, that's a tough one. Do you think that, uh, I don't know, Brent Burns going and you see Malkin staying and uh, Latang, obviously, or does that leave some of the other guys like Subban, Phil the Thrill still on the board? Where do you want to see them land? I want to see Phil back on the Leafs. I, don't I want know to what, see, what Dubis is doing there. I want to see Phil on the Leafs. Let's go. Give him a cheap deal here. I mean, like if we didn't sign Goddad or Abi Kubel, I, like give that to Phil. Like combine both those contracts. Give it to Phil Kessel. Uh, you know, like I said to you before the pod, he's reliable. He has the longest Ironman streak now, other than Keith Yandel. So. He's also a guy, dude, like Mikheyev was on the second, third line. You could put Kessel on the second, third line. Another guy, I know you're going to laugh when I say his name, Dylan Strom. I mean, why not, right? Like, this is a guy you could you could take a chance on. We took a chance on Samsonov. Why not Dylan Strom put him on the – dude, imagine Strom on the second line with Willie and Tavares. I mean, I think that only benefits everybody. So I hope by the end of today, man, we see either Phil or Dylan Strom as a member of the Leafs because that's what I want to see. Oh, I love it. Phil Who do you? I, I I don't know why, dude. I see PK Subban going. I don't, I don't know why. This to me is out of bounds. I see him going to Arizona. I I don't know why. Oh, man. I, just, <laughs> I just see I just see him getting like three million dollars, being fine with that. And after that contract runs out, he'll be in the ESPN studios in no time. So yeah, that's what I think. I can see that. Are you surprised that Bergeron hasn't really got any uh, love there, any chatter that where is he going? Because it seems like everyone's like not even talking about him. Honestly, man, like I've heard rumblings that Kadri has been linked to Boston. So I don't know if they're just going to replace Bergeron with Kadri, as stupid as that may sound. But again, Bergeron is a lot older than Kadri. And, you know, David Krejci's also been linked to Boston. So, 
I'll say this right now, Alino. It's either I could see a guy like Kadri going to Boston or they bring it back with Krejci and Bergeron. Either way, I I don't think there's a lot of suitors for uh, for Bergeron, man. I think we've been saying for the longest time it's Boston or Montreal, right? Yeah. yeah. Seems like it. I mean, I'm I'm excited though, dude. I want to see Phil Kessel. I don't know where he's gonna go, but like, I I'm excited to see where he ends up. Because I also heard maybe you realign him with Crosby again. Like that would oh, be another man. cool thing too. Pittsburgh, bring the whole crew back together. Maybe him and Bozy go together to Pittsburgh. They get the old guys in. Bozy for Sochi. Gotta <laughs> love that. I guess we'll end the pod, man. Uh, where do you see Goudreau going? Yeah, him. I, I saw that whole rumor that they were talking about the Islanders. I don't see that. Like, he's going to play with Barzell. I think he's just better off with their style of play. He would have just been better off in Calgary with all their team, like playing like that and all the stars there. So I think if he's going somewhere, it's going to be the Devils. And I think you're going to be happy with uh, that signing. The Devils, man. I'm like, I could, only, I could already see it. You have Hughes and Goudreau on the top line, just dangling everybody i mean regardless dude like i think he's gonna get what do you think he's gonna get though like 10 million or do you think he'll get a little more than that because i think he's worth about 10 million yeah i think so too he put up a lot of points he that's also the thing with calgary like that offer that they gave him that he turned down he played really well under sutter so it's a risk too for him because if he goes now to new jersey and signs like a 10 and a half million or 10 million dollar deal even if he takes a pay cut and takes like nine, like everyone's going to look at his production and say, okay, he made the wrong decision. If he doesn't perform, should have stayed in Calgary and he's going to have to live with that. So there's going to be a lot of pressure if he goes to the devils, but leaving Calgary, uh, I think he's ready for it. Goes to the devils and be the guy there and leads him back to the playoffs. Yeah, dude, honestly, like I don't want to say like, they're going to blow it up by any means because, you know, you have Lindholm and Kachuk, but apparently Kachuk is not happy if they lose Goudreau. So, I mean, and even you, 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 you understand what happened with Sean Monaghan, right? He had a hip injury yeah. and I think now they're buying him out or something like that's going on. So I don't know what to expect moving forward with Calgary, man. Do you see them making the playoffs? I know Markstrom's great. I know Kachuk and, and Lindholm are fantastic, but, you know, if you lose a guy like Goudreau who had 100-plus points, what do, what do you think Calgary can do? Do you see them as a playoff team? Because, dude, honestly, hot take for the video, I think the Kings could be better than the Flames next season. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think Calgary – Markstrom to me I think is unbelievable. And Vancouver, if they didn't have Demko, they would have never heard the end of it if they let another goalie like that leave because they had Luongo Schneider. They moved them both for nothing. And then they end up getting Markstrom, and uh, they kept him. Uh, he leaves, goes to Calgary. They had to leave with that. And I think it's tough because now Calgary, they finally got their goalie, and now it's looking like they were close if they didn't play Edmonton. They probably were the best Canadian team last year with the Leafs. I'm surprised. If they go in a rebuild direction, it's going to be tough. Do you see them potentially landing Kadri? Because I've also heard he's been linked to them too. Yeah, if Monaghan ends up being like an LTIR or a buyout, I think they'll have so much cap space with what they were going to give Goudreau, what they had in Monaghan, that they can probably take a run at Kadri and he'll probably fit right in there. So if they get Kadri out of that, I think that's perfect for Calgary. 
Dude, I got to end the video with, like, can you imagine Kadri, Lucic, and Kachuk all on the same team? <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, want to play that team, man. What the hell? <laughs> it's a just rough be a night at the office. Oh, that's a rough night for sure. But uh, anything else you want to add, man? Yeah, fill the thrill. Let's go. Let's let's put the positive let's... vibes out there. Fill the thrill to the Leafs. How many goals would he get if he was on the second line? Oh, man. With what he did in Arizona, I think he would surprise some people. You throw him with Tavares, he gets a lot. You throw him even on the first line, he finally gets a center in Matthews. I would say 30 goals. Now, the dude, under. dude, I, <laughs> dude I, I, know, I know the Leafs have no trouble getting asses in seats, but like, if Phil Kessel were to come back here, fuck, I would be going to more Leaf games, man, honestly. We would have to go. Like, I fuck, still have but, that Kessel jersey when they fucking traded him, so that was bad luck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got the jersey. They trade him six months later, so I, I need to wear that Kessel jersey again with him in this lineup. Dude, I have the vintage Kessel jersey. You remember when it was just like the no stripes at the bottom? It was just the blue. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have the 09 jersey, man. Oh, like shit. I remember, Yeah, when he just got there. So I would wear that if I went. And Dude, come on. Fingers crossed. When we, when we close this pod, Kessel's a leaf. <laughs> Gotta do it. <laughs> Anyways, guys, that is In the Zone. I don't even know what episode. I think this was episode 154. Oh, let me just check, double check actually before. Oh, 185. <laughs> 185. Oh, I, I meant to say 184, 154. <laughs> Close enough, man. Um, but yeah, this is Chris Martelli, Giancarlo Alino, just straight NHL today. We'll be back next week. We'll give you guys a little more of a review of the guys like Goudreau and Kadri. We'll also talk more about NBA because, dude, I've heard some stupid things going around in the NBA and, uh, Hopefully next week we have a couple trades. But again, this is In the Zone. Chris Martelli, Giancarlo Alino, signing out.